And the gods looked down and they said, hey, you know, sometimes a penultimate episode feels like the ultimate episode. <laughs> I'm Alex. And the god of the clunkers looked down and said, yep. You're, you're sinking, car. You've had a good <laughs> life, but you're old and no one can drive you any longer. Bye-bye. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And yeah, that shit was sad. Everybody else is looking at the ghosts and the spirits, and I was like, look at all the dead cars. This is the worst. To be fair, you do the same thing with real-life dead children as well, right, Pete? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Always looking yeah. at the cars around them. <laughs> yeah. Don't take yeah. Pete to the junkyard. He sobs like a maniac. <laughs> oh, man. That's rough. That's rough. We're going to be talking about the second to last episode of season three of American Gods, The Lake Effect, and potentially second to last episode ever, though I, I kind of doubt it. I have, I have my doubts about really? this not continuing past this point. I, really? No, I mean, I think, like, I think we're going to get a season four. This is getting into raw speculation. Nobody is watching this show live at this point. Yes. <laughs> we are a large majority of the viewing audience at this point for the <laughs> series. That's satisfying. Just from a, as a, as a reporter, as a journalist, like, mm-hmm. it's great to really Stop. be um, we speaking are not to the people. Neither of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but. If that is happening, we're definitely heading to a big ending point here with this episode. Not only are we wrapping up a lot of stuff that happened this season, but we're getting to fans of the book, to fans of the show, big moments at the end of the episode here as well, uh, which is very exciting. As usual, spoiler warning, we already spoiled what happens to Clunker. I'm sorry it did, in fact, fall through the ice. But if you haven't seen The Lake Effect, go Watch it. We're going to talk about some of our favorite moments of this episode. Uh, But the big overall things you need to know is that Shadow is dealing with the stuff in Lakeside, wrapping up the storyline there. He discovers, as I think we suspected, Justin and me a little harder suspecting because we read the book and we knew the answer to this. But Pete figured it out, too, uh, that Hinselman, Julia Sweetie from SNL, not that great. Yeah, we were a little wrong about baking people into pies, I think. Yes, um, a but off uh, there. we don't. We haven't gotten the recipe yet. It's like that's sure. another. It could be a side gig. That's what the last episode is about. Uh, yeah. But Hinselman is a god herself. She owed a debt to Mister Wednesday that he was cashing in, and it all goes down in this episode. We find out that for years she's been keeping the town steady and happy by sacrificing people in these clunkers. She gets torn apart and on fire, so we're probably not going to see her anymore. And Shadow yeah. wraps things up with his landlord. She's moving out of town. So uh, that's it for Lakeside, I guess. And that's, but on the other end of the spectrum, Wednesday, depressed Wednesday, if you will, is traveling around. Hump day. Can't even eat his pancakes. What? Can't even eat his pancakes. He's so sad. Those were good looking pancakes. This is some real syrup pornography in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Wednesday is traveling around, decides he wants to broker a deal with the new gods, meets up with, thankfully, Crispin Glover, Mr. Go- Mr. World, uh, and they don't broker a deal. In fact, the new gods in the background, of course, have been working with Laura Moon. She is now in the possession of Odin's spear, working with her sexy new leprechaun, who she decides uh. not to have sex with, mind you. Yeah. Talk about they, a leprechaun. The older. Le- you have one flashback of Dane Cook, and you're like, you know what? This isn't a good idea. Oh, wow. I mean, same thing. Whenever I think about one of his comedy specials, I'm like, oh, turn back. Oh, oh, man. See, for me, I'm like, man, that Dane Cook's a real big leprechaun. 
Uh, but Laura comes by and just as Mr. Wednesday is walking out, she throws the spear. Chernobog is not able to stop it. Liam, the leprechaun, jumps away to his pot of gold. And Mr. Wednesday, as the episode impaled on his own spear, presumably dead. And that's how we end things. Uh, last, there was one other plot line that, oh, technical boy. Technical boy is yes. finally figuring out who he is. Um, wait, what, uh. What happened with Technical Boy this episode? I'm looking no, over my notes. He got yeah, off I mean, the table. Yeah, he yeah, big moves. He got off the table and stood on the floor, um, yep. and he put his hand through the little uh, puppets. He's trying yeah, to find he uh, Artifact One. Artifact right. One. This was it. Was he was sort of taking back his power here, right? Um, right, right, right and right. so he he's like ready to move. Okay, but yeah, the two big things that we got are we got the Mr. Wednesday track, which intersects with the Laura track, and then Shadow Moon. And at the very end of the episode, as Mr. Wednesday, quote-unquote, dies, uh, Shadow feels him dying, and then the crows, the ravens, sorry, the ravens gather outside of Shadow's house, presumably past from Wednesday to Shadow Moon. So there we go. Well, it seemed like uh, the crows were slowly turning into light. Uh, I think a light was coming, um... Also, it could be like the morning. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, but I think the, it was like the power of Wednesday coming to Shadow. Uh, I thought it was like the thunderclap that Shadow heard that was like, oh, that's my father dying. And then two crows outside were like, we're going to make a real bright. So this really sinks in, dude. What, what this is my that? fault. I just want to emphasize because I got it wrong first. Ravens. They're ravens. They are ravens. And what birds do you know that like shoot light out of them? Uh, ravens do that. Huh. Okay. It is. Pete is our it's resident like ornithologist. How is, a, how is a raven like a writing desk? They both yeah. shoot out light. Yeah, exactly. That mm-hmm. Wait, that's an old joke you said? Mm, maybe. <laughs> wow. That sounds like a joke that your English teacher in high school is like. This really cracks me up. It's in the back of this Edgar Allan Poe book. How is a raven like a, a writing desk? And the class is like, fuck you, Mr. Johnson. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Now, before we get too into it, I am curious what you think overall about the wrapping up of the Lake side storyline. Of course, what you thought about everything that went down with Mr. Wednesday. There was certainly a lot uh, that we've talked about, about whether they would actually be able to go through with Killing Wednesday or not. And that certainly seems like what they did here. So, Pete, what's your take on both of those storylines? Well, first off, I think that, like... Um, it, it was, it, I was very happy with how all went down with the SNL lady. It was very much like the fun no- moment for the viewers to be like, we knew it. Yeah, it was totally her the whole time. Um, but it was, uh, also very satisfying how like quickly, um, you know, Moonshadow stopped being well. He stopped being Mike and started being Moonshadow again, which was very nice. But then, like, he figured out like what to stab her with, and that went really well. And then he just got to, you know, after you murder a god, sitting outside their house and just watching it burn to the ground is that kind of like Ocean's Eleven moment where you're watching the uh, the fountains. You know what I mean? It's like a nice to take moment, enjoy your work a little bit. You know, guys. Mm, yeah. I also think they were terrified because they did not see coming what happened to them. Um, and Shadow had just um, found hundreds of uh, bodies under the ice and cars. Is obviously uh, depressing. And but they got to see the ghost people, so it's fine. He woke up in a strange bathtub, which is something that 
you know, it, usually that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, usually you're missing at least a couple of kidneys at that point. Yeah, I don't know. Every time it's happened to me, I have a bunch of extra kidneys put in. <laughs> oh wow, you are chock full of kidneys, my friend. I'm mostly kidneys. God, my urine is crystal clear. <laughs> it's beautiful. Most you get other kidneys. people's urine, right? Yeah, I, honestly, I'm like a different day, different urine. Wow. <laughs> That's what I always say. What was your take on this, Justin, on this episode? I like this episode a lot. I mean, this show, um, because there are so many plot threads flying around, it feels like now they're sort of letting some go. They're tying others up. And it really feels like um, we're getting, it's getting to it, which is something that this show has sort of had a hard time with, I think. It was always sort of. Uh, forward casting in all the seasons leading up to this one. And now this feels like it's like, no, we're making some definitive choices. And also, I don't want to get too deep in the end, uh, into the episode without talking about the first thing we get to see. We get to see this car, this sweet Lincoln, rolling down the road without a driver, no human. So it's just you got to really just enjoy the whole car. You don't know, like, oh, what's mm. going on inside. It was just no human getting by. in the way. You yeah, prefer a car really, driving alone. It's nice to see it, you know what I mean, just to focus on the car a little bit, you know, really like, give the car the full shot. Like how some people like watching uh, wild horses running in the distance. You're like, oh, exactly. I love seeing a car without a human dirtying oh, the man. steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Messing things up. And, she, you know, it was frustrating because then it cut to her and she was clearly not respecting the car or other people. She was on her phone texting. And, you know, that's a little frustrating to watch. And then to cut to that to almost pancakes... I mean, you know, that was a frustrating kind of like a highs and lows of like, look at this amazing car. Oh, somebody who doesn't respect it. Somebody who's too sad to eat pancakes. And it's like, oh, that's a one two combination. Now, let me ask you, Pete, when you're um, walking around uh, Philadelphia, do you occasionally like uh, break into a car, take the parking brake off, break off and then slap it on the tailpipe and be like, go be free. <laughs> go free. Go you free. Man. This. Run. <laughs> yeah. Be yourself. It's always weird when uh, the owner of the uh, person whose car I'm talking to comes back. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm still talking with them. That's yeah. a, let me just repeat what you said. The owner of the person's car I'm talking to. I'm talking <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking to a car. <laughs> sure. Does the car ever talk back to you, Pete? <laughs> Not yet, but I'm going to find one that does. Someday. 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 Absolutely. Uh, how'd you feel about the clunkers, team. Pete? I know you kind of talked about this already, but the clunker finally went through the ice. I thought ah. the scene was real good, and I like the reveal here. We were, it seems so obvious in retrospect what they were going for with the elephant trunk thing, uh, mm. that the money's in the trunk, but, you know, yeah. it's a dead body of a child is in the trunk, but uh, same sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's somebody's money. Um, yeah, it was finally, uh, you know, it was just a little bit, because, like, this was a Mike was being real slow, but finally he kind of caught on with the glowing coin. And then also like, yeah, stop and read those books you were given early on that had all the keys to you figuring this out. So it was nice that like he started to, you know, uh, be less Mike and more moon shadow. So let me ask you, um, shadow moon. Let me ask you, was the Ganesh, the elephant, Working mm-hmm. against, why is the elephant there? Is it like an undercover god that Hinzelman doesn't know about? Because it seems like the the Ganesh was trying to get, trying to reveal Hinzelman. Right. Um, and it worked, obviously. It is a weird thing because it feels like a different pantheon than what we're dealing with with Hinzelman. Yeah. And with Wednesday, Wednesday is Norse. I think 
Hinzelman is also Norse? Was the implication there? I, I think so, because it sort of feels like same world. And I haven't reread the books in like the book in like 15 years. Um, so I don't remember everything that happens and I haven't reread it because we're watching the show. Um, but I do feel like it is sort of about Norse stuff. Um, this whole yeah. Area. The only thing that confuses it though is we have that cut back to the Thunderbird and the Native American gods. Yeah, that I couldn't quite connect the two together. Whether they're getting vengeance on a Norse god, whether there was something paying there, it felt like there was a little bit of a detail missing. Maybe I just didn't pitch pick up on it necessarily, uh, but there was something there that it felt like either still needs to be told, wrapped up in the last episode, um, or they were just hoping that you draw your own conclusions. Yeah, and maybe, I mean, we don't know what the full sort of plan here is. It feels like this, uh, despite everything that happens, I still think Wednesday is, the he's still playing, this is part of his game. So we mm. don't actually know, maybe that Ganesh was part of, like revealing Hinzelman was part of this sort of putting Shadow in just the right place where he needs to be. Yeah. What also, think, Lakeside, Lakeside oh. could be just a, a town where gods just hang out. That's well, a great I think concept it, for a show. Yeah. I think it's like, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of like other gods rebelling against uh, the killing of these children and stuff and trying to help, mm. uh, you know, Shadow Moon uh, get to the bottom of this. That's interesting. Might be that. That would be remarkably good hearted for the gods that we've seen on the show. They're like, whoa, killing children is a little too far, given that they'd basically do anything at this point. But I hear what you're saying. Um, I thought and this- it also could be like a god trying to uh, get you know, Shadow Moon to, like, listen uh, to them for, like, hey, if you do this right, you know, maybe you could help me out with this other thing type of, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I guess we, it's, the thing about this show is we never quite know what the motivation for any of the gods is. It feels right. like they're always under the gun and, like, barely getting by, and they're fighting each other for something that they don't even seem to understand. It's just their fight because it seems like they have to. Um, I guess the implication is there's a diminishing amount of worshipers. There's like too many gods, not enough worship, and they want to take control. The new gods want to be what the old gods were, but the old gods are like, what we got ain't that great. Uh, we're losing power. So it feels like, and maybe that the idea is Wednesday's plan is ultimately sort of a restructuring of all of that so that there can be the worship can come to him and who he chooses, and he can sort of be the king god. Well, it's going to be rough for him to do that since he's completely 100% dead, though, right? That is Yeah, but 100%. it's also like King Gods is very much like King Bread, you know? You need a bunch of dead babies in the cake, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hold on. Let me just write that down. I have to <laughs> remember that. For that case you're building against Pete, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't take case, uh, scrapbook, uh, murder board. Okay. Uh, something. Uh, it's called, I mean, they're calling it state's evidence, but I'm not going to write that. What do you think about this? I mean, I, I think, regardless of what you think, and I think it's perfectly natural to think, okay, Wednesday is pulling another con, something else is going on here. But they do a really good job of selling it, I thought, at the end of yeah. this episode. I The end was great. That, that whole, just the way it was shot, where like you see Laura roll up and she gets her action movie moment. But then when the, uh, everything goes black. That was it, funny. Uh, you know, hey, fucker. You know, that was yeah. fun. Very fun. But when it yeah. flips, every sky goes black, we get this shaft of light and it feels like, 
oh, he's going to die for real because uh, all the eyes of the gods feel like they turn to this moment. It gets highlighted in that way. And it was just really beautifully made, the way the spear sort of lights up, um, the Chernobog and Liam and uh, Laura, like, tossing the coin, dodging, getting knocked back into his pot of gold, uh, into his hoard. And... And then him, the hit, and then him fought the spear dragging on the ground, having gone through him, and then him, like, really great. I thought that was so well done. Yeah, I mean. thing? Oh, go ahead, Pete. I was just going to say, I was getting back to the point of, like, selling things. And, like, they did a lot of selling in this episode, like, how bookstores are great places to meet people. You know, Mm -hmm. like, if you're depressed, try bowling. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I just think that, like, you know, it's nice to have these little kind of selling moments in the, in the episode. Yeah, bull harder. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was <laughs> that's, saying. That's what did you think of the moment right before that where Mr. Wednesday doesn't step on the bear? Is that because of Chernobog? That he's being respectful of him or something? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> that felt – it felt – like intentional, but I, I don't know what the intention. Yeah, was. I thought when he was going to be getting dragged back across that same thing, that maybe like he was planting like a, a something mm-hmm. to help him out there, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one thing as I'm wa- working backwards at these scenes, loved that we got a scene with Ian McShane, Crispin Glover, and Peter Stormare all yeah. in the same place. Yeah. Super fun. Chaotic energy across the board, I thought. Yeah. God, I, I just wonder, like, what what do you think Ian McShane felt like when he was making this episode? Is there oh, any, that's like, a great <laughs> question, Justin. Thanks I for wish we g- knew, because I love getting inside <laughs> actors' heads in this moment. Especially someone like Ian McShane, what a storied performer. Mm-hmm. I wish that's there such, was. so I weird that you bring that up. It's weird <laughs> because it's like that actor seems so crazy. Like, if you talk to him, like, could you make sense of it at all? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, would it be worth bringing up? You know what I mean? Would it be worth mm-hmm. bringing up? I guess that's the real question. That is. Yeah. So it's funny you guys actually bring this up because I did interview Ian McShane about this episode for my what? day job. No. I know. I can't believe it. Total coincidence. Well, I you guess I, I only got two wishes left on this monkey's paw because I was <laughs> just saying that to you. Wow. Are you sweating from working that nut flex so hard? Uh, yeah, I think so. Wow. Uh, he was great, first of all. I mean, Ian McShane, exactly as Ian McShaney as you would expect. Only went on two wild rats over the course of our chat. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was really good. And, uh, you know, something that I think we've done a ridiculous amount of interviews and something that I think you always hope for is somebody to be very frank about stuff rather than just repeating the party line. And he is a storied enough actor that he just started. He was very frank about everything. I mean, yeah. I just pulled up the interview. I'll just read like a couple of little things that I thought were interesting. Um I asked him about the death scene and what that was like and his reaction. I was like, what it was going through your head? And he said, when can I get out of this fucking cold, freezing Canadian evening? That was Good. his exact quote. Exactly yeah. what you'd expect. Um, Olivier also, said the same thing, I believe, when he was yeah. treading the boards. Uh, he also was very frank about the show in general, uh, which I thought was interesting, that he said that he felt like Season one, he felt like was overpraised and he Mm -hmm. felt like season two was underpraised and season three has been an interesting journey so far, Uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting look at it. He also uh, said that he 
when I talk to him about just the general arc of the season, because we've talked about this quite a bit. I think Wednesday has been very different this season. He's been going into this depression, dragging himself around like he does this episode. And specifically, the thing that he said was he was just glad that it was a different mode than traveling around in a car with Ricky Whittle being like, there's a war coming. And that's pretty much it. So not exactly throwing the show under the bus, but definitely he was like, at least we were doing something different this season. And the biggest thing that I fucking heart that he didn't like the car scenes. It just yeah, I'm sorry. My he heart. specifically slammed the car, and he's like, "We have bad cars on this show." Oh yeah. my god! All right, no, I, I hate this guy. He didn't yeah. say that. He didn't say. He that. was like, "These cars want to be free, but we don't let him. We drive them. We're driving oh. these cars." Is what he said. That's the way it's meant to be. Yeah. Uh, the one quote that I will read that sort of raised my eyebrow, and I expect there there was going to be some sort of email from Stars being like, "Hey, maybe don't run this quote." Not that it's the most reactionary thing, but at the end, I did ask him about any talks for season four. Apparently, Noel Gaiman has reportedly been working with the showrunner and coming up with some ideas, so I asked him about that. Uh, And he said, I expect season four, I have no idea, but if they wait around another two years, I mean, I'm not going to be around. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, there you go. Interesting you said two years specifically. Well, because the the previous this season took two years, right? Like yeah. I think that's what he was saying. Is if uh, it's I the see. same length of process, he's just not into it at this right. point. Uh, hmm. So it was interesting. Uh, yeah, and he, the other thing, I mean, apropos of this exact scene that we're talking about with Peter Stormare and Crispin Glover, apparently they wanted to shorten it down, and he, as a producer, was like, "No, you got three of us in a room." Keep it the right length. Have us do what we want to do. Come on. What are you doing here? Well, so, and I will say, I him. get I get why the show is like, uh, we're just going to keep this short because like, not much really happened in that scene. Right. Yeah. But uh, they were just like, all right, let's meet up. And they were like, nope, we're feeling pretty confident later. So the fact <laughs> that there was so much posturing and like set up to it, um, I get it. But I also get yeah. it was cool to see. It was a cool scene to see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what I felt like. I was like, oh, good. They got the ball in a room. That's nice. I'm happy about that. And I have an interesting question when it talks about like the use of real estate in this show and this episode in particular. End of last episode, Shadow, big tease, going to Florida. And we're like, ooh, Florida, that's going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, this episode, we don't see him in Florida. He just talks about how he went to Florida cold with no no flashback, just like... I was in Florida. So I was like, oh, weird. Did they just cut a scene in Florida? I feel like that would make a lot of sense as like a cold open or whatever. Um, And yet in this episode, there was so much fat in a lot of the scenes, I thought. They're the scene with Liam and Laura where they're just like literally bullshitting about like (laughs) philosophy. I was like, show me Florida. I don't need to see uh, more leprechaun talk. super weird, particularly when you like you're like you're saying – Leaving off an episode with that, there is an expectation you're going to see that thing. We saw a moving poster, for God's sake. But it turns out all he was doing was going down there to be like, oh, your son's not there? The landlord, the one that I'm fucking in the hot tub, his son's not there? Okay, cool. And then headed back, and that was it. Which could have also been accomplished with a phone call. That's (laughs) that's a fair point. Could have been an email. It could have been an email. (laughs) I Um, would have loved if a lot of this stuff, if he was like... Oh, let me just do a quick um, Google search to see if the clunker sunk. 
Okay, great. And um, let me just email um, Chernobog to set up that quick meeting. Maybe do a Zoom. They should have done a Zoom for the big man. It's not just a clunker, USO. All right, so first off, don't bury the lead here. What was the two, as someone who loves a good rant, what are the two rants he went on? Uh, Sure, the two rants that he went on, um, I don't know if you guys watched the show Kings that he used Mm. to be on, which is awesome. If you've never watched it, it's a retelling of the David and Goliath Bible story, but set in present day America where there's a royal family. So it's a very weird concept, very weird show. That's a veggie tale, right? It's a veggie tale? Yeah, it's a veggie tale. He plays the tomato. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's from uh, Michael Green, who co-created, he he co-created American Gods, right? Yeah. With Brian Fuller, I think. Yeah, Yeah, I believe that's right. Um, So it's similarly, like, very visual, very weird. He... It's also like kind of King Leary where he goes crazy and uh, spoiler, but in the the last episodes, he's doing the King Lear in the rain, shouting at the sky thing. Um, So he plays the king in that. So I I love that show. I asked him about that specifically because I feel like there's a little bit of a sense of his king and that arc there and what he's been doing with Wednesday. And that Mm -hmm. just led to a rant about NBC and how they fucked over that show and all the executives got fired and they put it on at Saturday at like 10 PM. Uh, and then it actually ended up being a two part thing because then I said, well, that's the sort of show that I feel like would have done better on streaming versus on broadcast, which I do think is true. And you can stream it weirdly on NBC.com. So anybody Mm. listening to this podcast, go check out that show. It's fantastic. But that somehow led to him ranting about Christopher Hitchens videos on YouTube and how he'll shut down religion in 10 seconds. Thankfully, he got it back on track to bring it back to American God. So it was all good. And we could go out with the interview. But there was a point in the middle of him talking there. I was like, how do I, oh boy, yeah. what do I ask him about that? really sweating. Salmon sweat yeah. wiping off the brow. Okay. The other thing, actually, while, and then I, we can move on from this interview. Uh, but he also, without coming out and saying it, sounds like he was really not happy about the switching up Mr. Worlds. Oh, yes, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, anyone working on the show had to be like, what is, what is this? What is all this? Yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, it, it was fun to see uh, Danny Dreho. And, uh, you know, so. Totally. Well, like we talked about on the podcast, I think the two other actors who played Mr. World and Ms. World, respectively, were both good. But they're not Crispin. They're not the same energy as Crispin Glover. You can't do that. Yeah. I, I, it is just one of those things where you because the sh- you it's you it takes you out of the show like there's no way to really not do that unless you have some an overcomplicated Yeah, but if answer. you think about like the different arcs like if it was all uh, Crispin Glover it would have been cool but it would have been creepy and Tony like totally uh, not the same like the fact that we got to switch it up like they put the right people at the right time for those moments like it was so intimidating having Danny Trejo and being those parts and so fun having her in that technical boy world that I think uh, the other two would have made different choices with. So I, I don't know. I can understand what you're saying, but at the same time, I had a lot of fun with the different acting uh, styles and characters. So I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to be honest. When I was watching Danny Trejo, my main thought was I could really go for a taco right now. 
I mean, I went out and got tacos after after we talked about it. So I mean, again, talking about Danny Trejo's L.A. T- uh, taco restaurant <laughs> that only a few people have an actual uh, access to. Yeah, yeah. very few. Uh, great. Uh, I'm sure there are other things about this episode that we could talk about, though. Any moments that you guys want to call out? Yeah, I want to talk about the shot of the Cadillac hearse Jesus uh, with the again. spear in the back. Was just mm-hmm. really a lot of fun. That was just that was just great. You know? So your two favorite things: you an inanimate object carrying an inanimate object. Yeah, nice. it was really nice. Yeah, that yeah. sounds cool. Uh, you've been inside for too long, perhaps. Um, no, the- but I mean. It's a hearse that's carrying the spear that may be killing, you know, Odin. I mean, that's pretty awesome. And it's yeah. in the Cadillac. I mean, I, come on. Um, one other reason while we're talking about killing Odin, why I think it was it is all part of Wednesday's plan. When the spear is coming toward him, if you watch his hands, they go out to his side as if like, all right. He's I knew this. Yeah. yeah, he knew. It looks like he sort of is like, I see this. It's not like he was bringing his hands up or trying to get out of the way. He was opening himself up and raising his arms out uh, in a very um, accepting position. So uh, take that uh, however you will. Um, no real revelations about Cordelia. Um, she's definitely a I, character in yeah. this show, but we don't know what she's in. She keeps seeming important. Like she's like, hey. Well, you need to be having fun. And he's like, yeah, I know. And she's like, I'm your important. She like sort of talks about how her role. Yeah, we don't know what it means. Yeah, uh, I thought there was going to be some sort of revelation about that this episode. But nope. Nothing. Yeah. You, speaking of revelations, it turns out that uh, the Big Dipper is actually Odin's dick. <laughs> Pete, what astronomy class are you taking? Is the porn? No, well, that's what, is it that's the what Wednesday one? said. That's what Wednesday, they're at the fucking thing looking up at the stars. He's like, you guys call it the Big Dipper. I call it Odin's Wang. And I was like, holy shit. They just did that bit in the show. I mean, every constellation could be a dick if you try hard enough. Oh, my God. It's just same as Cassiopeia, a, very wavy dick. Yeah, Cassiopeia's. Uh, oh any any connected dots. Stars are just a big connected dots, and um, I learned in grade school you can connect the dots in any way you want. Mm. Wow, Orion's belt, sideways dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I brought this up, guys. I you thought know, it might uh, be funny, you, but you, you guys... did bring it up in a way where it was like uh, really aiming at it. What did you think about Laura turning down? Sex for Liam. I know we joked about that earlier, but I like that moment. I mean, it's a kind of ridiculous growth point to point out about a character, but I appreciated it. And I think Emily Browning played it very well. Yeah, it was interesting how, again, a lot of time with Laura and Liam when it their relationship amounted to like, now nah, we're just sort of working together briefly um, <laughs> because this whole thing was like. Like I want to feel something. If it was meant to show her growth, I'm here for it. Because I, I like yeah. I like the character, and I like that she... That was a big part of her time in Purgatory was like, hey, you're not at fault for um, a lot of the things that you blame yourself for in your life. So you don't need to do these damaging things to yourself um, to deal with them. And if that was showing that she learned that lesson, then uh, I think it was great. I also like that very clearly Ian Rian was talked to his agents and managers. It was like, give me a non creepy part. Will that be okay? Just like a very romantic leprechaun or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. And those are hard to get romantic leprechaun roles. Very (laughs) rare. 
Well, yeah. I think it's also Liam, the Lucky from Lucky Charms. Yep, and huge, that's pretty much it. Huge romantically. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it's nice when two characters can like just kind of do the right thing and not have it be for sex or whatever. You know what I mean? I thought it was nice. I agree, it showed her growth, but also on his part to be like. I'm doing this for the right reasons. I'm not going to fuck you over and I'm not going to like steal the coin and like run away and leave you high and dry. So I, I, I like the fact that like these are two people kind of dealing with morals, dealing with the right thing. And I thought it was, uh, I thought it was nice. I agree. Yep. But it, it's especially, I don't know if you're going to following um, this scandal, but the, the lucky from lucky charms actually ended up hooking, they hooking up with the uh, honey nut Cheerios bee. <laughs> So yeah. the end of that romantic comedy, and it was pretty intense. Yeah. Lucky put up this gross tweet saying, I just gave her a honey of an O. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> <You're> whoa. Just, <laughs> wow. Delete your account, buddy. Yeah. Delete Come your on. account, cereal brand. TMI. And let's just remember, Pete made us say this because he brought up all that star <laughs> penis stuff. <laughs> uh, so any final sorry. notes, any other things for the episode that you guys want to mention before we start to wrap up here? Shadow and the landlord, their relationship, um, she's on her way out. He's like, I'll go with anywhere with you. Yet he had a dream where she drowned him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What's, what's up with that? Was hey, sometimes... You just uh, got to keep it purple, man. All right? Just keep, keep it purple. Keep it purple? Yeah, that's what she says to him. She was like, here, you can take my Thunderbird. Just keep it purple, man. Keep it purple. Okay. All right. It was a car I think, thing. I think she met the car specifically. <laughs> I don't think she was speaking metaphorically there. <laughs> no, she was like, jump in the water and keep it purple, man. That's what she was saying. Like, That's what I like about you, gentlemen. You're not afraid to jump in that ice water and keep it purple. <laughs> you know, I, first off, keep it purple is a great catchphrase for you. And it's also, there's a lot of weird things being said on this podcast right now, sexual things. That's the most weird and the most sexual. And you're saying it, Pete, you. Uh, oh, keep it purple. What I got for the hot tab moment is I think it's less about Landlord and it's more about the town. What he was getting there is exactly what Hinselman tells him afterwards, that everybody in the town knows about this. Of course they can figure out that kids are dying or disappearing every couple of years, but they choose to mm. ignore it because they're happy. Uh, and that, I think he was putting those things together in his mind, in his dream. It's mm. not specifically about Marguerite, though the, that's exactly what she tells him afterwards, is that she kind of just assumed, I think it was her own son, right? Yeah. Left yeah. and just didn't bother to contact him. Oh, and that's part weird. of the horrible magic of this town. So... It's not about her drowning Shadow Moon so much as he is in a tub at the time and he realizes that the town will kill him if he gives it enough time. But the the song playing in the background was hilarious. What was the song? Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba? (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, Purple Rain. No, it it was like the song was changing to what was going on. It started all like soft or whatever, nah. and it was like you're gonna die. You're, it was like mm-hmm. the lyrics were I really funny and well timed. Good stuff. Before we wrap up here, who is worthy of your worship this episode, Pete? Who are you wow. worshiping? Wow. Um, you know, I got to, I got to give it up for uh, Shadow Moon, the Moon Shadow, the, for the fact that like 
he finally stopped all the deaths of those cars that went underneath <laughs> the water and the ice. And uh, it's just, I'm glad it's finally stops. This is my favorite episode because like they set that up and then walked away and it's been killing me ever since. So I'm glad we got that closure because mm-hmm. killing cars like this shouldn't happen anywhere in no town. I just totally have like agree. nine follow-up questions real quick, Pete. Um, yeah. what, how do you know when a car's dead? Is it just out of gas? A car is not dead if it's out of gas. Yeah. When is a car dead? What are you doing to cars when they're out when of is, gas? You when just is a car like a writing them? desk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what the, uh, bright. the driver's ed teacher, <laughs> the joke the driver's ed teacher would say. Yeah, um, not a good joke. When the car, a car is dead, when what? It's, um, it has to be fully immersed in, in water? No. <laughs> what? Because oh, you, you could... You keep talking about cars being dead as like a real tragedy. I'm just trying to get a handle on uh, when when you when it goes down like that. Well, it's just the fact that these people are giving up on these cars and okay with the fact that they're just drowning these cars off this coastline. I mean, first off, that's not good for the poor fish and stuff that's got to live in this water. But like you know, the fact oh, that you know here we it's go. just a, a horrible way to <laughs> treat. <laughs> Treat cars, man. I'm going to go over to Justin now for who he's <laughs> worshiping this episode. Justin, who are you it's worshiping this episode? Literal rabbit hole we just ran down. Um, <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. Um, a uh, What's the car called rabbit? Like a Honda rabbit hole we just went down? Uh, <laughs> the, um, That's what Pete likes to stick the gear shift up. Yeah. The Honda <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, I'm going to give it up for It was great to see Chernabog Honestly the character I was the most excited about seeing Was uh, Chernabog here I love uh, Peter Stormare coming in He's just so funny The way that he both Doesn't really like Wednesday Is sort of bored by everything But also is still the heavy And he still comes through Or tries to come through right at the end To protect uh, Wednesday from, from Laura It was great, great to see him uh, I'm gonna give it out. Uh, give it up to Mr. Wednesday. This episode, my boy Ian McShane. Here love we to go. call him. Love to jump on the phone McShay with him Shay. just anytime. McShay. No, I really uh, actually have liked what Mr. Wednesday has been doing in this season, and it's been a different mode for him. And I liked it in this episode. You know, I think pretty obviously it is not an end here. There is going to be more of Mr. Wednesday that we're going to see going to the finale. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that all turns out and how that plays because it is. Otherwise, a very definitive ending here. So that should be cool to check out. And folks, that is it for this week's episode of American Godcast. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We will chat with you about American Gods, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, follow, and listen to the show on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a comment. We love those. Oh, at- love it. So good. At a Godcast on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, keep it purple. Keep it purple. (laughs) 